When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you know Julie Rowe? Yes, I do. Do you know Chad Daybell? Yes. Do you know Chad Daybell's children? Yes. I know Garth and Emma. Okay. Do you know um, Nancy and Mike James? Yes, I know them. And you know Christopher Parrott? Yeah, um, right. I was a member of a vow for, mm, I would say, like almost uh, eight years. But Anna and I have been talking um, in depth for quite a while now, and Hidden True Crime is honored that you would feel safe enough and comfortable enough to share your story with us and what you know when it comes to the Chad and Lori Daybell case. So thank you. Hidden, a true crime podcast. A forensic psychologist and a journalist explore the hidden motives behind unthinkable crimes while examining our deepest fears along the way. As we prepare for Chad Daybell's trial scheduled for April 2024, we revisit many interviews that have never been shared on our podcast until now. For many of our listeners, they understand the Lori Vallow Chad Daybell case. But for those new to this twisted case about doomsday beliefs leading to a murderous spree across states, to better understand future episodes, I really recommend our entire Beyond the Veil season. But hey, I also realized we don't all have time to listen to an entire season. So I took care of that for you, summarizing everything in a single episode. If there is one episode to listen to that will get you caught up on the Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow case, it is our May 2nd, 2023 podcast episode titled Beyond the Veil, the prequel, Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow, the background story you've never heard. You can also find this on our YouTube channel if you want the visuals. I wrote and produced this episode for that very reason, so everyone can have a solid grasp on this case in less than an hour. For any of your friends who need the basics so that they too can follow along into the next months and into Chad's trial, send them that May 2nd, 2023 episode to get them started. Hello, I am with Anna. And that's, that's all we'll say. Anna is not going to be on video today uh, for good reason. She wants to remain anonymous or a little bit anonymous. And I understand that, but, but Anna and I have been talking 
um, in depth for quite a while now. And hidden true crime is honored that you would feel safe enough and comfortable enough to share your story with us and what you know when it comes to the Chad and Lori Daybell case. So thank you, Anna, for being here today. First off, Anna, I just want to set the stage by asking you about who you know. You're not related to anyone, correct? Right. But let's talk about who you know. Do you know Julie Rowe? Yes, I do. Do you know Chad Daybell? Yes. Do you know Chad Daybell's children? Yes. Not all of them. But But we know, who do you know? I know Garth and Emma. Okay. Do you know um, Nancy and Mike James? Yes, I know them. Who else do you know? There were there were quite a few more people, and now I'm that sets the stage. You know a lot of people, but is there anyone else right now that I'm missing? I'm sure it'll come up later in the interview too. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. You know, I know people tangentially to them. Like I know Tammy. Um, let's see. I th- I think that's good. I uh, we'll get into it and. <laughs> Yes. In other words, for someone that um, isn't directly related to the case in the sense of all the documents and everything, you know a lot of the players and quite personally, like you've been, when we talk about knowing, um, we're talking about um, being at their house with them, um, having close relationships with these people. I just want to explain that too. First off, Anna, with that being said, tell us how you um, got in. And, oh, and, and you know Christopher Parrott. Yeah. Um, right. I was a member of a vow for, mm, I would say, like almost uh, eight years. Eight years on a vow. So not even six months, eight years right. on a vow. Wow. I don't even think I knew in all our conversations that it was eight years. So let's talk about that. Why, why did you decide to do this interview today with hidden true crime? At first I was like, no way I'm not going to do an interview. I had sent you an email um, with a lot of information. And then I started thinking about it and, you know, just kind of pondering it and praying about it. And I felt like, you know, there are a lot of people I believe that are still like of this mindset that believes some of these ideas that I believe got Chad and Lori down the path where they're on Julie Rose, some of the, some of those people. And I just think that, you know, nobody's immune, right? None of us are immune from being led and deceived. And so I just want to like, if, if I could help at least one person just kind of think, oh my gosh, this stuff is not right. This isn't good. This isn't true. Then, you know, I feel like that's, that's worth it. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, I have the same goal today. So thank you for explaining that. And that's what we'll do here today. Where did you want to start? I know that you might have a place and if not, I'll suggest you tell me. You know, I think I'll start with a vow. Uh, We had my husband and I had heard of a vow. Uh, I won't go into the details about how we heard of it. Um, but we, somebody had told us about it and we'd never heard of it. So, um, 
I thought, okay, I'm going to get online. I'm just going to look this up, see if this is something that is of interest. And um, we talked about it and we thought, you know, it was like, I think at the time about a $40 a year subscription. And um, that might not, you know, mean a lot to like right now, it's not that big a deal. But at the time we, we had a lot of kids and, you know, 40 bucks is 40 bucks when you got to, you know, buy shoes and, you know, buy groceries. But as we looked at it, we thought, you know, there's some interest here because we had always um, had food storage, right? Because, you know, President Benson said, get a year supply of food, you know, and so we did. And uh, profits after that had encouraged that. And so we did. And actually, um, I had started, like, I remember one day I was thinking, oh my gosh, I've got all these buckets of wheat and I've got all this stuff. And if I don't start using it, it that'll be money wasted. So I just began doing like grinding wheat, making bread, doing all that kind of stuff and just incorporating it slowly into our diet till, you know, we, we pretty, we incorporated almost all the basics pretty well. And um, so we felt that was important. So when we got on a vow and they did a lot about preparedness and food storage and all that. So it was like kind of a natural fit. Right. And um, so we would get on and we didn't get on that much, but I know that as I got on and I would read the posts cause they just come up in order of like uh, chronological order. And I would hear people talking about dreams and visions and people talking about somebody named um, Sarah. They kept saying, Sarah this and Sarah that. And I'm like, who is this Sarah, you know? And so as we con I continued, I realized that Sarah was Sarah Monet and that she had written a book called There Is No Death. And so we ordered that and read it in you know, short book, but it was just really interesting about a near death experience she had when she tried to commit suicide. And so we um, just, and there were some others and I ordered several other books and I would always actually with the near death thing, like years and years ago in college, I had been exposed to some of those books and always found them very fascinating. Right. And so, um, so, so people started talking about their dreams and visions and I was like, wow, that is so cool. You know, I'm not a dreamer. Uh, you know, I don't have dreams and visions, but these people are. And then there was one specific one named, fellow dreamer, because everybody went by not their real names. Some people did. A few people went by their actual real names, but a lot of people went by different names. You know, they just make up a name or a combination of their real name or something like that. So fellow dreamer had uh, posted all these uh, near death experiences, dreams that she had. And then Chad Davell was on there. And, and then, uh, and I don't know, I think this is maybe about 2013 or so, maybe 14. And Chad Dable said that he was publishing a book by fellow dreamer. And that was Julie Rowe. And he, he said when it was going to be out and he said, I'm, he was going to put several chapters up on a vow. And so like he put on, I think chapter one, chapter two, um, there was another later chapter, maybe chapter 10, I can't remember. And so I read those and those were probably the very best chapters, right? But it kind of like, oh my gosh, I, I want to read this book, right? I want to, I want to read this. 
So I told my husband that I wanted it for a specific holiday that was coming up. And he's like, yeah, okay, great. Okay, I'll, I'll order that for you. So it came and um, unbeknownst to me, my husband actually read the whole thing and then gave it to me. <laughs> and uh, But I read it and I was like really intrigued by it because it was like, so many of the dreams that people had put on a vow, it just really coincided with those. And what I thought was really interesting was that she was pretty clear. She said that the day would come, she was showing all this in her near-death experience, that a, the day would come, and I, I can't remember it exactly now, but I think it was that the church would have like, uh, they'd have a fireside or something like that, a church-wide, it was church-wide. And that um, that if you had your year supply of food, then you would be um, directed to go to that you'd be all your food storage would be picked up in these white trucks and that you would go to this specific place and you would be transported to these camps in the mountains. And, um, you know, that's that you would leave behind basically the world and um kind of your ticket to get in would be that you had a year's supply of food. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so great because we have our year's supply. And, um, you know, uh, and then she talked about all the devastation and all the bad stuff that was going to happen. But the people in the camps would be pretty protected, right? That they would be spared from all of this. And so um, anyway, so that's kind of how we got into uh, started with a vow. And that's kind of how we found out about Julie Rowe. And um, I guess I could say a little bit more. So I said that my husband had read it. And my husband with his work, um, um, he like does peer reviewed things. So he found all these typos, right? And all these errors. And um, he was like, oh my gosh. So he shot off an email to the publisher and said, you know, before you publish this for your second printing or whatever, you might want to fix these mistakes. And when, you, and when you say publisher, you're referring to Chad Daybell? Yes, Chad Daybell. Yeah. And so he just sent that off to Chad and just said, you want to fix this stuff. And uh, then Chad responded and said, oh, thanks a lot. Uh, I'll, I'll fix that. And um, would you be interested in helping edit a second book because, and also would you give a review? And so Chad asked your husband to help edit the next book. Right. And he asked him also to go on um, Amazon and give a review. So my husband did that. He gave a shining review and, um, and then uh, Chad did, um, did ask him to help edit the second book. And so he sent him the stuff and, you know, and my husband went through everything and um, he helped edit it. And I know that there were other people he had asked to edit it also, but my husband was one of them. That's, that's interesting. And so very quickly, you guys became not just Avow members, but involved in the publishing of Julie Rowe and Chad Daybell's books. Right. Yep. And then... Um, Let's see. So he actually, I, I will go on to say that he actually asked my husband to help edit Hector Sosa's book. 
And my husband said, yes. And then my husband asked me, now this is down the road, okay? So my husband asked me, he said, would you be interested in helping uh, read this and edit it? And I said, sure. And so I started reading it and like editing is really different than reading for pleasure, right? You're looking at every word, sentence structure, typos, grammatical errors, all that. And I kind of did that at the very first, but then I was like, oh my gosh, I want to find out what's going to happen next. And so I kind of abandoned that. And so I said, well, this is what I have for the beginning. But anyway, that's kind of an aside. But getting back to Julie Rose. So, so my husband went back and forth. And um, one day he said to me, he said, you know, he said, Chad Daybell is Julie Rose editor or her, his, her publisher. And he said, I know his parents. And I said, oh, really? And he, my husband grew up in Springville and Jack Daybell had been his like in, in young men's and like an advisor or something. So he knew him. So he grew up um, in the You're congregation with Sheila and Jack Daybell, Chad's mute. parents. Yeah. Jack Daybell was uh, uh, Chad's dad. And he said, I know his dad. And he said, I don't know Chad that well because my husband's a different age than Chad. But he knew he knew Jack Daybell, and I, I think he knew his you know Sheila, but not as well, right? What did your husband say about Chad's parents or upbringing, or did he say anything? Just that they were what type of people yeah. did he say the Daybells were? Yeah, so he said that they were a really nice family, and you know, um, you know he he doesn't you know he didn't know them super super well. Um, but you know, as, as far as he knew, they're a really nice family. And like he said, um, that he didn't know Chad as well. So, um, so what happened was, um, my husband, uh, so we were out in, so we were out in Utah for a vacation, right. And, um, the place that we were staying at, um, they had a ward directory on their fridge and I happened just to, I just went over there and I don't know, for some reason I decided to look on the word directory to see if there was anybody like uh, maybe with the same last name as ours. Right. And so I just was kind of going down the list and I was like, wow, Chad Daybell, Chad and Tammy Daybell are in this ward. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting because Springville has like 10 stakes. So it has at least a hundred wards, right? And the fact that the where we were staying was in the same ward. So um, I told my husband, he said, oh, wow, that's interesting. So the next day we went to church and my husband leaned over to me uh, and said, see that guy helping to pass the sacrament? He said, that looks like a a younger version of Jack Daybell. And he said, I bet you that's his son, Chad. And so I'm like, okay. And so afterwards, my husband went up to him and he started talking to him and just said, hey, you know, I'm the guy that we've been communicating and, you know, uh, you know, I'm the guy that's been editing, helping you edit. And it was like, oh, wow, that's so cool, you know. And so I didn't really talk to Chad. I, I think my husband did introduce him to me. And actually he was in the Sunday school that we were went to. And so I, you know, so then afterwards, 
um, they invited us to come to their house that afternoon. And so we walked over there because it was really close. And we just sat in their living room and just visited with Chad and Tammy and I think some of the kids. But it was just my husband and I. And so we visited with them and got to know them. And actually, um, after we left, uh, I had emailed, um, I emailed Chad, I think. And I said, hey, uh, the next time we're in town, we'd like to invite you guys over for a family home evening with your whole family. And they're like, that's so great. And so we let them know. And um, they came over and Tammy made cupcakes. And we, all their kids and all of our kids that, you know, our kids that were still at home, so to speak, right? Uh, not our married grown kids, but the other ones. And we just had this great time. We played these games and we just had so much fun. But the interesting thing was... Uh, a quick word from our sponsor. We have hidden gems from all over the world sending us evidence on cases. But when a resurfaced police interview is in Spanish or a witness to the murder speaks Portuguese or an old newspaper clipping is in French, the evidence is literally getting lost in translation. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning app, helping me put true crime into 25 different languages. Rosetta Stone immerses you with no English translations, so you actually really learn to speak and listen and think in that language for a natural learning process. Do not put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Rosetta Stone listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Yes, the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. You lose weight, it comes back. You lose it again, it comes back again. And if this cycle sounds familiar, you're not alone and there is a better way. What if you could take a weekly shot to lose weight and keep it off? That's where Roe comes in. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with lifestyle changes so you can lose weight and keep it off. Roe handles it all, even insurance paperwork. If eligible, you have access to a provider on demand. You can sign up online from home, no doctor's visits. Average weight loss, get this, 15 to 20% in a year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria do apply. Go to road.co slash hidden. Sign up today and you will pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash hidden. While Chad Dable's attorney complains of Tammy Dable going through menopause in the courtroom, most women can relate to her experience. Many of us know it can be hard to find comfort in our own bodies, experience cravings or depression, but Hormone Harmony is an all-in-one hormonal balancing solution for women of all ages. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier, and that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. They 
They help the body adapt to stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any women with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it is perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code hidden true crime at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code hidden true crime for 15% off today. I got to tell you that when I asked them to do the family home evening, I did not ask them to prepare anything, right? I had kind of planned on just, uh, just kind of almost like winging it. I, I wasn't really sure where I was going to go, but well, and I to just clarify for our listeners. This is when you invited them to your house, right? Right. And, and let me explain this to, or, or you help me explain when you invite someone over for a family night, it might just be an activity or what is a, well, tell us what is like a family night when you're saying invite you over for a family night? Okay, great. Great question, right? So in uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every Monday, kind of, you can adjust that, is set aside for what they call family night or family home evening, where you just get together with your family and, you know, it can be really formal and structured or informal. You can like have a prayer and a song and a lesson and treats and, and play games or you know, just whatever, or you could just have an activity, you know, just do something fun, like play games. So, you know, um, I was probably thinking more less structured and just more informal. So, um, so anyway, um, they came over and they came in and Chad had this box with him and it was, uh, then I, I, I just welcomed everybody and I just said, um, you know, we invited the Daybells over for family night. And then Chad just got up and he just, you know, just kind of took over kind of like, okay, thanks for inviting us. And I just want to tell a little bit about myself and how all my dreams and visions started. And, you know, and then he this is just at your started. house, this is at your yeah. house. Like he's your guest and he's taking over. Right. Sorry, right. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> and so he just started, um, he just kind of started off with his story of the um, going to Flaming Gorge and jumping off the cliff and, you know, how his veil was torn and, you know, that kind of thing. And I don't know, some of you, some of your, your listeners might be aware of that or know about that. Yes. And then near death like, experience, his right. Supposed near death experience. Yeah. His first, you know, according to him, his first near death experience. And then, you know, then he kind of went on about um, his other ones, like at La Jolla, California, where the wave almost killed him. And same thing happened, only it was more in depth. And then um, uh, I, I can't remember, you know, but we, you know, I had some questions for him because he had. So every time my husband would like, quote, edit, he would send us a box of books. And so I was like, oh, I'll read these, you know. And so I had read pretty much everything that he had sent. And um, so I knew. So and I asked him some questions about some of the other things in his books. Anyway, so it was just really interesting. Uh, we, we had a lot of fun with their family and had a great time. And um, Tammy was awesome. She was really nice. And I didn't know a lot about um, about like the bankruptcy. I don't know if your listeners are aware of that, but they declared explain bankruptcy. Explain that. Yeah. Explain that for our listeners. Yeah. 
So, so I don't know all the details and maybe you can fill in what I don't know, but I think it was around 2006, 2008 that their publishing business that Chad really, really wanted to be successful, just basically totally went under and they were in a lot of debt. I think it might've been like several hundred thousand dollars. And so they declared bankruptcy and um, you know, uh, because it wasn't successful, people weren't buying his books to the, you know, in, like he wanted. And I think from what I've heard from others, that that was a real sore spot for him, that he wasn't like, people weren't buying his books, like Gerald Lund's books, right? Um, and Gerald he, Lund, for our listeners, is another LDS author who was quite successful with his work in the Glory series. Right. And Chad was pretty, I think it was kind of miffed that his weren't as successful. And I think he put a lot of of money poured a lot into it and it just didn't, it didn't pan out like he'd wanted. And so what was interesting was um, when we went to church, I remember one time we were waiting outside of a classroom and uh, Tammy was in the hallway and she was, we we're all leaned up against the wall so people could walk by. And I remember looking over and just kind of try not to stare, <laughs> but looking over at Tammy and it just kind of breaks my heart now, but um, her shoes were like really worn and she probably had on the best that she had. Um, her clothes um, weren't the greatest. Her shoes were really worn and scuffed, you know, and you know, you get to the point on your shoes where you're like, I'm not going to wear these to church anymore. I'm going to get rid of them. Right. But I don't think that that was an option for her because of their situation and she basically was the breadwinner and she worked full time and and I don't think it was because she wanted to necessarily have this great career she wanted probably to be a stay-at-home mom like a lot of women of that era not necessarily so much now but I think she probably did to raise her kids right right so the cult the LDS culture to explain there's a big emphasis on the man being the breadwinner so that the woman can stay home and nurture her children and Tammy had five children you know, I can hardly keep up with one. So I think you're right. And I just wanted to explain that a little bit more. It's not that some women are breadwinners in homes and that's normal now. It's the culture they came from and what I'm sure she wanted and what she was raised to want. Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I remember thinking, oh, wow. Um, and at the time I didn't know there was a bankruptcy, but I just kind of, my heart went out to her because you know, I think she was wearing the best that she had, but that, <clears throat> but get to get back. Um, so what happened was, um, so, uh, we, um, I'm, I'm trying to say this. So we, um, actually had relocated to a different part of the country and, um, my husband wanted so Julie Rowe's books really took off, right? Became super, super successful. And I think that everybody was surprised by it. I think Chad was surprised by it, but it was great, right? Financially for him as a publisher. And so Julie Rowe began to do what I call the book tour type of deal, where she would travel all around the United States and she would meet with people in their homes or at different places, wherever they could find a venue. And she would kind of tell her story. And she be, she started doing this. She went to like California and up to Rexburg and she was in spring, 
Avell. And she went out to the East Coast. She went down to Tennessee in Washington State. She was just all over. And my husband really wanted to invite her out to where we were living. And he said, this would be so great. And I was kind of like, well, you know, it's and we had to pay for everything, by the way. And um, so if you wanted Julie to come out, you had to pay her way for her to speak, in other words. Right. You had to pay for her everything, you know, her flight, her hotel room or what her accommodations, everything. And so I was thinking, wow, I could take that three hundred dollars and fly back and visit my kids. Right. And so I'm like, well, I said, you know, basically do whatever you want. If you really think we should invite her, he goes, yeah, I'm going to. So he did. And um, and then it, it was advertised. And I can't remember how, I think on a vow, it was advertised that, hey, she's going to be here at this place on these dates. And so she came. Uh, you know, we we paid for a flight. And at the time she, she was living, I think, in Kansas. And so we paid for her flight and she came out and um, we took her around to see the sites and she stayed with us in our home. And she uh, people came from all over several states, I would say three, four or five states. They came from all over and they came and listened to her. And so um, and, you know, we we got to know her. We talked to her for hours on end. I learned all kinds of things about her and her family. And I learned things about her family of origin. Um, I learned that her, her parents had gotten a divorce. Her mother had been unfaithful to her father. I think it really affected her. And I learned um, that they had a large family and her father was in the military. And they, they kind of went without, you know. And by the way, I have never read her autobiography. So... I don't know what's in there. I'm just going by what she told me. I've read her autobiography and I would say it's um, similar to what you're sharing. There are a couple things, but yeah, it, it would, it would be parallel. Okay. So one of the things she wanted, and I thought it was kind of strange, but she wanted bodyguards. Okay. So she told my husband, I have to have this number of bodyguards. And I in order, in order to be invited out with your invitation, she's telling your husband this, is that it? Yeah. She's like, this is what I require. Kind of like celebrities, I require a dozen roses, you know, in my dressing room and blah, blah. She didn't say the dozen roses, but you know how celebrities will require certain things, totally. right? Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. she, so she said, I require bodyguards. And she had a number and I think it was three or four. And so we, my husband asked several people that we knew if they would do this. And, you know, at the time I thought it was just kind of, I kind of thought, oh boy, you know, this is kind of hokey because um, I'm like, who's Julie Rowe, right? You know, like when you think of bodyguards, you think of the president or you think of celebrities, but really, are you serious? You need bodyguards. This is probably a fault of mine, but in my graduate program, I won't go into what it was, but it was in the psych, psych, psychological sciences or social sciences, right? Mm -hmm. Therapy type thing, social work type. And I would in my, we would do like we had practicum. So we would do therapy. So I did a lot of therapy in, in my program. And you ask people all kinds of really personal questions, right? And so I would 
I, I do that. I ask people personal questions and I think for some people that's uncomfortable for them. I, I'm not like super bad, but I will, if I feel like I need to know something better, then I will ask them questions. And in, in the calling that I have now, I have to do that. I have to ask people, you know, personal questions. So, um, so I said to her when she was there, I said, um, I said, you know, why do you need bodyguards? And she's like, well, I've, my, I've been threatened. And I said, oh, really? I said, like, what? Like, how have you been threatened? And I tried to ask it in a way that I wasn't like doubting her, just like kind of curiosity. And um, she said, well, she said, my brother said that if I ever showed up around there, that I would regret it. And I thought, well, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking that's it. That's the best you can give me <laughs> is that your brother said that to me, that's not a threat on your wow. life. And that, and that's not something that you would need a bodyguard for. But as I got to know her, I, I kind of got the impression that it was like, let's say that somebody asked you to be somebody's bodyguard, you would feel like flattered, right? And I felt like it was a way just to manipulate and flatter people and get people to think, wow, she's really amazing because she needs bodyguards. And I've been asked to be one of her bodyguards, you know, and just like, oh, she's like, she's willing to come out here and talk to us and be in our home. And it's just like, to, it's kind of this manipulation of people that, you know, you begin to think, wow, I'm really special, right? And I, I and I want to go uh, kind of a little backtrack a little bit. I want to say that, you know, when, um, when in her book, when she said that, like, all the people like that were had their year supply would be invited to go to the camps. I have to say that it made me feel like, oh wow, I'm I'm special, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna go to these camps and I'm I'm special because I have my year supply. <clears throat> and I, I was thinking about people in my ward and I was like, I don't know hardly anybody who has a year supply. And I'm like, I I know this special information that they don't know about. And I'm I'm special because I know it. And when this happens, I'm not going to be taken by, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be, uh, you know, taken aback. It's not going to be a surprise to me. And I think that I felt I think it was a pride thing that um, I was special. And, and when I look back on it, I, it was, it was pride. It was, I'm special. I know stuff that other people don't know. And that is really dangerous because that idea is like, you know, President Benson gave a talk called Beware of Pride. And he said, it's a universal sin. To me, that meant President Benson, really quickly for our listeners, was a prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So he said that it was a universal sin. And I took that to mean that we're all tempted by it. We're all affected by it. Nobody's immune from pride. Nobody's immune from thinking they're special. It might be a little, it might be a lot, but you're, you got to be on guard for it. And I believe that that was part of the appeal to me was that, that, you know, I was special. And uh, so anyway, I just wanted to mention that. Thanks. No, thanks for sharing that. That's vulnerable to share. And I appreciate it because I think that a big theme with a vow in general and um, preppers um, and the community is making people feel special. Yeah. And, and I totally, what you said about a vow, that was totally an attitude there that we're special. We know all this stuff that the general membership of the church doesn't know. And we're, 
we're going to be up in these camps and they're going to just be um, either killed or fighting it out down in the valleys. And, you know, we're, we're, we're God's chosen people. You know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I thank you. Exactly. I really think that's what it starts. And I think that many people would say, no, that's, you know, no, no, no. But I think that's exactly what it is. And I think in a place like Rexburg, where 90% of the population is LDS, to want to feel special or that you know something more than the other membership is part of that culture a little bit too. Yeah, so for sure. I did want to mention that uh, we had this family night with Chad and Tammy and their kids. I, I didn't know this. Uh, but so on, um, a number of our kids went to BYU, right? And they went to the same singles ward as Garth and Emma. And um, they got to know them really well. And one of my daughters was on a committee with Garth. And uh, one of my other daughters, um, I'll talk about that a little later. She actually dated him. Not, not a lot. It was just very brief. And, um, and then our another one of our daughters was, she told me one time, um, she was said, yeah, Emma's my best friend in the ward. So, you know, the end, um, our, one of our sons also knew Garth and Emma. And in fact, one time um, they told me that our son and our daughter and Garth and Emma skipped out on, I think, Sunday school and were sitting out in the hall <laughs> at church at the singles ward. And they were like talking about the dismal state of their love life. Right. And how they didn't have any dates and da, 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 da. So, you know, they were friends. They hung out. They talked. I don't think they were super close when did everything together. But they, you know, and they told me about that. And I kind of chuckled because I was like thinking, why don't you guys, you know, you could date Emma and then you could date Dark Arthur. <laughs> I mean, in my mind, that's what I was thinking. Right. The simple ideas of parents. Right. Like, how hard is this? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, so um, so then um, let's see. So one time when we were driving back to Utah, um, well, my husband would go more than me because you know I stayed home and watched the little kids, right? And he would go out there and really quickly, uh, Anna. Can I go back to something with the family home meeting since you went back sure. to it for the the family? I had a. I just wanted to know what you thought when Chad stood up at that family night at your house and started essentially preaching, that's what I'll call it. <laughs> what were the attitudes of Tammy and his children? Were they, um, and I'm sure you probably weren't aware of it then, you know, it's, I'm sure hindsight, but what were they doing? You know, they were just listening kind of like all our, our family was like our kids were, I don't think any of my kids really knew that much about Chad's, you know, books or anything. Um, they just kind of listened. I, I didn't really sit there and kind of look and watch what they were doing because I was listening to Chad. So anyway, and I'm sure that he was probably very flattered that somebody would want to, you know, invite him over, them over family home evening and listen to him tell about, you know, his experiences. Right. You know, and he just assumed and he just assumed that that's why you invited him over. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. Right? And that wasn't the reason it was just like our families get to know their family. Right. You know, right. Exactly. A get to know you event where he takes over. Sorry. Thank you for sharing. Go ahead. Sorry. Where you were headed. Yeah. So, um, 
so then, uh, so my husband would go out back and forth to Utah and sometimes he'd take the kids. Sometimes he wouldn't um, just depending on whatever it was. And we usually drive because, you know, when you have a large family buying plane tickets like that, and I wasn't working outside the home, you know, it can pricey. And so he would go out and he, he would stop and at the Rose, Jeff and Julie Rowe, and he got to know them. He'd stop and just like visit and Jeff and him got to know each other and, and one of the things he told me was that when he stopped and he visited with them, Jeff really didn't have any interest in talking about any of Julie's like uh, near-death experiences or her books or any of her stuff. He, they wanted to talk about deer, hunting deer and hunting. That was kind of it, guy stuff, right? And so, so it was like his kind of relationship with them was a little different. And then we stopped, um, one time I was with him and we stopped to see them and um, I would like those two would kind of go off and he'd show him stuff and like, oh, a, a new rifle or whatever. And they had actually bought a new home in Kansas and they gave us a tour of their home. And I remember I got I got to tell you this. I remember they gave us a tour of every every room, like every square inch. Right. And it was really interesting because we went down into the basement and. I remember in Julie's books, how she talked about in the camps, like it got to the point in the camps where they'd run out of food and people were really hungry. And, and I remember and thinking, wow, I looked at their food storage <laughs> and it wasn't very much, right? Because I knew how much, you know, so many pounds per person per year. And I knew that I had that memorized, right? Because I needed to always adjust ours, right? Because I was actually thinking, okay, our daughter got married and we need to get some for them because they're probably not going to have any because they're students. And so like, I knew exactly what we had and how much we had. And I can tell you right now, they didn't have hardly very much at all. And I was really shocked. I was thinking, if you really believe this, you would have a lot more food storage. You would not only have a year's supply, but you would have way extra. You know what I'm I saying? I agree with this. This story was fascinating when you mentioned it to me the first time. Julie Rowe hardly had any food storage, yet this is what she went around the country preaching was food storage and preparedness. And people were spending their entire life savings on army tents and food storage. And you're telling us that in her house, there was hardly a food storage. Right. Is anyone else struggling with what to wear these days, feeling like styles have changed so much? Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion. I signed up, I took a style quiz, and they offered suggestions that would best match me. The more I rent, the more on point the styles get. Whether you are planning a date night, packing for a conference, or headed to a black tie event, you will have the perfect outfit without facing a fitting room with fluorescent lights. With my Armoire clothing rental, I feel brave trying new styles, because I know it's not forever. It's just for a week or a month. And my favorite thing, having someone else do my laundry when I'm ready for new clothes. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash hidden true crime. That's armoire.style slash A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash hidden true crime to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. 
Why do so many dogs suffer from health issues? It turns out that actress Katherine Heigl, who helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says that she has seen more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health, their food. What she discovered is that the way many dogs' foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw a huge transformation in their health. She has made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing and see incredible changes in their dog's health. Look, John and I are dog lovers and are currently searching for the perfect family edition and how to keep them healthy and happy. So if we can help keep your best friend healthy too, we are happy. Go to badlandfood.com dot com slash hidden true crime and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot com slash hidden true crime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. And I don't, I didn't see anything about the tents. I don't know anything about the tents and all that kind of stuff, but she would, she did in her books, like, okay, you need a really good tent. You need a really good tent stove. You need, you know, all this stuff. And, and people were, were spending tons of money on that kind of stuff, you know, and like you said, cashing in there 401ks, quitting your jobs, doing all this kind of stuff, you know? So, and we did, we got, we got a bunch of tents. We got a, we got, well, not a bunch, but we got some, a heavy duty, pretty good sized tent and a, and a tent stove. And we had these amazing sleeping bags that we got and, you know, yeah, it was, and we spent money on it, right? We spent good money on it. Well, and, um, and maybe you don't want to bring this up yet, but Julie Rowe asked something financially of you. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll talk about that. So, Um, we, our son, our married son said, Hey, I've been looking in this County in central Utah, and we could get five acres there for a really cheap price. And he told my husband that he said, why don't we buy you? We'll buy five acres. You buy five acres and we'll have them next to each other. And that'll, we'll, we'll have this little place that we can go down to and ride four wheelers and do stuff. And we're like, my husband was like, yeah, cause it was cheap. I'll have to tell you it was really cheap. <laughs> and so we did, we bought a five acre lot. Our son bought one and um, it was great. You know, we've, we've done things to it to improve it. And Julie approached my husband and I'm not sure how she probably, I don't know if she called him or did it through email, but he came up to me and he said, Hey, he said, Julie Rowe wants us to deed over our five acres to her greater tomorrow relief fund. And I was like, I said, okay, well, let me think about it. And I was like thinking, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, and I told my husband, I said, no, I don't think so. I mean, but the point was, was that I actually thought about it and I actually kind of had a twinge of, 
oh gosh, you know, do, do I seem selfish? But because in the end, I was like, no, nonprofit, right? And so it makes right. you feel guilty, right? Yeah, yeah, because you're like, she's doing this, like if her, it's called Greater Tomorrow Relief Fund. And I don't, you know, it was supposed to be helping refugees and all these people. And I don't know if anybody's ever like checked into their financials, but I've never heard anything more about that. But I think a lot of people gave a lot of money. And I heard that she had asked a ton of people to give a lot of financial type uh, resources to this. And who knows whatever happened to it. And I'm not, I'm not accusing her of anything, but I've never heard that this went anywhere, this Greater Tomorrow Relief Fund. I've never heard that it's like really active and it's helping people because there's plenty of people out there to help, right? Right. It's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Um, I don't know how much other people gave, but I bet you, you know, if people are listening to this, people will come out and say, oh, yeah, we gave this much or we gave that much. And no, was there any accountability? I don't I don't think so. And I wasn't well, convinced. And if, if, if you were asked to deed your property, I'm sure there are other people that were asked and I'm sure that there were other people that did do that. Yeah, I, I totally believe that. I, I totally believe that. And then another time we got some email and on, on the email, she had said, okay, I have different people in different areas who are kind of like the head, like this couple in, in this state and this couple in this state and this couple in this area, they're going to be in charge of when, you know, when the, when the prophet says everybody go out to Utah, to the camps and the, you know, basically everybody from the East coast, West coast are all going to migrate to Utah to go up into these camps. And um, she's like, okay, I'm going to have people like way stations and people that are over things. And, and she had her name on this list. And like, we had never, she'd never asked us, she'd never talked to us about it, but her name just showed up. And I just like, like, just ignored it because I'm like, you never asked me, you never talked to us, you never talked to us about this. And um, I just thought it was so presumptive presumptuous, I guess, for her to even assume that we would be okay with that without even being asked, Absolutely. you know, and then I don't know if some of your listeners might know that around the year, like, I think it was 2015, 2016, she got on the all these radio shows. Now she was on them when her first both book first came out. She did the, the radio show circuit, right? But then she came out and she was like sobbing and crying and saying there is an imminent earthquake. She called the Wasatch wake up and she said it's imminent. It's going to happen. And there's and I remember she said there's going to be green grass, but there's going to be snow on the ground. And all these people out of bow were speculating, oh, it could be like early spring when it, the grass is green, but it's still a late snowstorm or it could be in the fall. You know, they were just like crazy speculating like as if this was really going to happen and it was going to be devastating this earthquake right and then that would happen and then a couple weeks later there'd be another really bad earthquake but in in between the two earthquakes was when we were going to be called out to the camps I believe I could be you know I could not remember because this has been a number of years ago but I remember how she was like sobbing and crying on the radio shows and um, I thought, well, let's see, right? And sure enough, nothing happened. And she had like all these people making up kind of like excuses why it didn't happen. Like, oh, it's probably going to be in the spring. It's not yet, you know? 
And then she said she saw Trump and he was shot and he, there was blood and, and nothing. It didn't happen. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's wow. Yeah. So, and I don't know if you can go back and listen to those again, because a lot of people scrub things, you know, but I do believe she was on the Mills Crenshaw show and I don't even know what radio station he was on at the time, but that's when she was telling all this stuff and then it didn't happen. And when that happened, when these things started not happening, I began to withdraw and become more reserved and think, you know, I'm not so sure about all of this. Another thing I want to mention about that time, that time period between probably 2015 and 2017, um, a fam. So I had told a family member um, about her book, right? Uh, actually, several family members. And one of the people that I had told about her book was a relative. And this relative actually was going to be down in Tennessee. And they said, hey, since you know her, we're going to be down in Tennessee and we would like to go to hear her speak. But we also want to take her out to dinner. And he, and this family member said, hey. And I said, oh, OK. And, he, and, and the family member said, because I like to get to know people and see them face to face and interact with them. He says, I can tell a lot about people just from, you know, a few minutes of interaction. And so I made the arrangements and they did take her, Julie Rowe out to dinner and uh, they did go and hear her speak. And then afterwards I spoke to him about it. I said, well, tell me what you, your thoughts were. And he's like, well, he said, she definitely has some mental health challenges. He said, maybe she really saw this stuff. He said, I don't know. He said, but just from visiting with her, she's, she's got some issues. And um, when she did go on the radio show all about the Wasash Wake Up, people were saying, well, she's mentally ill. And then she did come back on the radio again. And she did say, people are saying I'm mentally ill. And yes, I do have a diagnosis. I do have a mental illness. And she, she actually said that on the radio show and people were talking about it. And by this time, people on different forums about um, LDS Freedom Forum, these different forums, they started like kind of like bashing her and saying she's a false prophet. She's full of it. And even, she really, even on a vow, a vow was people were. Yes, her? there were people bashing her. But I got to tell you, those who were bashing her were bashed back. Probably, you know, it was like 10 to one. The people there who supported her were just like, you know, how dare you? You don't know her, blah, blah, blah. You know, and they were not having it, generally speaking. But and there were a number that were, were like, yeah, she's full of it. You know, can I go back oh, yeah. really quickly? You mentioned how successful Julie's books were and how you said Chad probably couldn't believe it either. You mentioned this moment that you saw Tammy's shoes. That was heartbreaking. Thank you for sharing that moment. When Julie started to become successful, um, Chad clearly was able to support his family a little bit more. Is that correct? Yeah. And let me just share a, 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 um, a story about that. So our one of our daughters had just come home from a mission and um, she had run into Garth. And like I said, she knew him before her mission from the singles ward. And so she ran into him and his parents Chad and Tammy had moved up to Idaho by this time. So they moved up there, I think, in the summer of 2015. And so this was probably early fall of 2015, maybe. And so, um, yeah, like late summer, early fall. And I don't know when they moved up there. I think it was like early summer, late spring, early summer. But I think it 
right around then. So she ran into Garth and, and they went out on a date. And so after their date, they came over to the house and they were sitting at the table and I'm like, Hey, how's your parents? How's your dad? And he's like, Oh my gosh. He's like, um, we love this last weekend. Um, I was up visiting them. And one of the reasons I went up there was Julie Rowe came up to Rexburg and I think they rented the Rexburg tabernacle for her to speak. And literally the place was filled. And I don't know how many pe people it holds, but it was like packed, packed. I've heard about 2000 at least. Yeah. It, with yeah. this particular event you're referring to, I've heard others talk about it. Right. And as a matter of fact, I had two friends who were on a vow, but I also knew them from my ward who went up there to hear her speak. And they said they waited in line to meet her after the event for like, I don't know, an hour or two or long, just like, and they said just when it was time for them, they shut the line down. And they never got to speak to her, but they waited that long just to have, you know, a few seconds, 30 seconds with her because she was kind of a celebrity. So her books were really popular. So what happened was um, Garth was saying, oh, my gosh, he said, I learned so much this weekend. He said, uh, Julie came and stayed with us. And I learned that my dad, all his books that he wrote this whole time Growing up, I thought they were all just stories, just fiction. And he said, this weekend, I learned that they were all true, that everything in those books were from dreams and visions that he has had. And I never knew that. And he he was so sincere. I, I didn't at all doubt that that he had grown up thinking that and that. But he found out this weekend. And then he said his dad went through this whole timeline of what was going to happen, right? Like uh, the headquarters of the church was going to be moved up to Rexburg and there was going to be all these devastations and earthquakes in Utah was going to be just devastated. And he was just like going through the whole timeline. And this timeline is in Chad's books. You know, um, you can read it in, in some of his books. I can't remember the series or everything right now, but um, it was just fascinating to me um, and then he said something that was really interesting. He said, yeah, he said, I said, so Julie's books have been really popular, right? And so, yeah, he said, my dad has made so much money. He said, we never have been able to go like go out to eat as a family. And my dad said, hey, we're going to go out to eat. We're going to go to whatever restaurant you want to go to. You can order whatever you want. And we're like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, he says, we've got money now. You know, so this was very, very popular. And it really, like, I think took Chad from like really a struggling publisher author to somebody who was kind of hit the big time. Right. And right. I think that he, Chad really was pretty happy about it. And I think that um, he felt like now I've arrived, you know. Definitely. Thanks for sharing that story. And so with Garth sharing this story, he clearly once believed that they were fiction, but are you saying at this point, he truly believed they were visions too? Like yeah. he was sincerely believing my dad had visions. Right. And because he told him, his dad had said, you know, this isn't, this isn't all pretend. This is all real. I've had all these visions. Everything's been shown to me and I've just written it down. So, and so, Chad, and so Garth, excuse me, Garth was told that the week that Julie was speaking at that packed tabernacle, 
event. Is that right? Accurate? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That that That's was how it. The story and, changed. Yeah. We are going to stop here today. This will conclude the first part of Anna's interview. The second half is coming very soon. She has a lot more to say. Thank you. Hello, Hidden Gems. It's Lauren with Hidden, a true crime podcast. For exclusive content, things Dr. John and I only dare say behind a paywall, become a Patreon member at patreon.com slash hidden true crime. You'll find bonus episodes, early releases, and insider info. Thank you for your endless support. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.